Hi, and welcome to the latest podcast from Mole Valley Farmers. If you're looking for up-to-date farming information and expert analysis to help you make the most of what you have, then you've come to the right place. I'm Seth Conway, and I'll be speaking to industry leaders from inside and outside of Mole Valley to bring you relevant, practical, and timely advice. Today, we're talking grassland management and why it's important to everyone. The drought conditions seen by many farmers this year are forcing some producers to consider what they're growing. So whether you're staring at a dwindling silage clamp and worrying about feeding this winter, or thinking about switching to multi-cut to get more from your land for future years, then this podcast will discuss ways farmers can make their farms more drought tolerant. Here's what's coming up from my guests Ben Wixey, Agricultural Director of Germinal, and Lisa Hamley, Head of Grassland and Forage Agronomy at Mole Valley. It's a tale of two halves, really, north and south, isn't it? The, the, the south has been very much droughted and it comes on the back of a very, very dry winter. The opportunity of bringing that first cut forward where you can travel on land um, is an absolute must. The perennial ryegrass plant has a deeper rooting structure and what the plant does is it closes down its respiratory systems as quickly as it needs to preserve, to preserve life. Okay, I'm delighted that Lisa and Ben are with us today. First of all, guys, if you just tell us a little bit about why you're with us today and who you are. Let's start with you first, Lisa. Okay, so Lisa Hambly, I am Head of Grassland and Forage Agronomy at Mole Valley Farmers. Um, and yeah, very much involved in the you know the things that have been happening out there and this this you know summer that's been so dry and um, warm. So looking at the challenges. Hasn't it just? And for you, Ben. Hi, uh, my name is Ben Wixey. I am the National Sales Manager for Germinal. And Germinal are a breeding company uh, linked with Aberystwyth University. We breed grass and clovers uh, and introduce uh, lots of other species of grass and forage into, into GB and Ireland and work with Mole Valley and other merchants on their forage offerings to farmers. Fantastic. Delighted to have you both along. This should be a really interesting conversation. In the second half of what we're talking about today, we, we are going to look at these practical ideas for the rest of this year and going into spring. But let's start with what has been going on out there. We're recording at the start of September, but what are the experiences you've been hearing on farm about the challenges of this drought that there have been? Let's let's go with you first, Lisa. I mean, it has been um, different areas, I think, have had slightly different challenges. I have, you know, some areas further north have had rain. Um, but, you know, from where I am in the south, it has been ridiculously dry. Um, and it went dry very quickly early on in the year. So, you know, where most people would have, um, you know, done first cut and ha gone happily into second cut you know sometimes that's that's been challenged so second cut hasn't come when it should um and it was very cold in the earlier on in the year so grass growth didn't get going quite as quickly as it would so hence why people would think yeah well let's hang on a bit and see and see what happens of course and then it turned dry um you know you see fields of grass completely brown um I've been, you know, I went to a local area to, to look across the views and you could just see brown. You could not see any green across Devon. So, um, yeah, there's some pretty serious and challenging conditions for forage growth out there. Yes. What a challenge. And for you, Ben? 
Well, much the same. It, it, it's it's a it's a tale of two halves, really, north and south, isn't it? The the, the south has been very much droughted. Uh, the research farm at Melksham has had now uh, just under two hundred mil of rain, when normally they'd have eight hundred in a year, and it comes on the back of a very very dry winter, which caused problems. And Elisa said the spring was dry but cold at night, so grass growth was slow. Um, and then we did have a period of, of grass growth for first cut and then second cut struggled with lack of moisture and it's been that way ever since. We have seen pockets of of grass growth in, in droughty areas of different crops, which we'll get into. But overall down south, it has been an extreme summer and no grass breeder has any plant that will survive in the condi- well not survive that will that will flourish in the conditions that we've had even even some of the waxiest uh plants the bermuda grasses and things like that they they may survive these drought periods but they're not edible by the by the stock so we we have to come up with different solutions and so we're clearly seeing farmers going into winter feed already yeah, in a lot of cases. And, you know, um, the price of fertiliser at the beginning of what's still high now, but it just hasn't helped because it's a reluctance to, you know, put that extra expense in the, you know, on the grass at, earlier on in the in the year, probably thinking that, you know, we'll just use muck and, and be able to carry on growing through the summer. Well, of course, that hasn't happened either. So um, we're, we're left with the challenge of, like you say, people are feeding their silage now. Um, even now, there hasn't been that amount of rain. I think there's a little bit on the forecast. Um, but, yeah, it's it's still... You know, there's there's an opportunity, I think, but it's um it's a small one. It's a, it's a small um window of opportunity, if you like. There is uh, a window for the next three or four weeks, uh, during the month of September of getting out, uh, and, and reseeding with some probably some shorter term lays to boost up those forage stocks for the winter and get an early turnout next spring. Um, one thing I would say is that we have noticed. Uh, in areas where it's been droughty uh, or a shortness of moisture, we have noticed that reseeds and uh, more particularly clovers have done very well. Um, obviously, right down the bottom where where it's been very dry, it, everything's struggled. But in areas where there has been some moisture, then clovers and herbal lays seem to have uh, seem to have worked some magic. Yeah, I think that's because of the deeper rooting, though, isn't it, Ben? I mean, um, when I when I mentioned about that beauty spot I went up to, there was actually two fields which I could see that were green. I was like, right, I need to go and find out what those are. So drove down and, um, yeah, lo and behold, I looked in and it was a herbal mixture. Um, so um, in that situation, there was some, you know, it wasn't a field of um, herbal mixture, but there was lots of red clover there um, and some chicory. So um, hence those must be, you know, still able to survive you know the harder conditions i take on board what you say ben nothing's going to survive um you know for too long in that situation but they were definitely greener than the rest of the fields your families must love you on days out (laughs) no i didn't take them (laughs) i wanted some peace and quiet (laughs) without a doubt the, the the red clover the chicories the plantains the white clovers all have better rooting structures and if there is moisture in the soil at depth, they will find it uh, and continue to grow. Um, it, it's just been a, a big challenge in, in many areas. Well, we'll come on to more of those practical ideas as to how we finish this year 
and get into spring. But let's take a look at some of those lessons that can be learned. What has this prolonged hot weather shown us about soils and grass varieties? What's been going on out there? What have you noticed? Well, I think for me, from an agronomy point of view, um, what I can see, and you know, you add this into the last few years, the challenges of um, dry springs or cold springs, is that you've got to be prepared earlier. You've got to take those opportunities early in the year um, where it's you know, where it's drier to, you know, apply fertiliser. So, you know, the opportunity of bringing that first cut forward where you can travel on land um, is an absolute must because you can't guarantee what the summers are going to be like. I mean, we've had so much, um, you know, differences in every season. You can't take it for granted. I think that's the that's from me from an agronomy point of view is plan ahead um, and um, take every opportunity that comes along. You've been out and avoided the family for a couple of hours, Lisa, and taken a look in some fields. But in terms of farmers on field, they've had this really bad time in some areas. Is it something, and I think I know where the answer is going to be on this, but they can go out and have a bit of analysis on their fields to see, oh, you know, well, that didn't do so well and my mindset has been... I always plant that. So we're kind of onto mindset. And now is the time to go and learn that lesson? Is is that is that the case for farmers? Yeah, I think it'd be so easy to, you know, get some rain and then it all looks green and maybe just, you know, it what happens yesterday soon fades away, doesn't it? But what what we can't forget, um, you know, which I think that you know, farmers some farmers will be we faced with the forage shortage, especially, you know, just bring in the maize in briefly the maize has really struggled especially on light land and that's the thing that fills the clamp up you know it'll be coming off early this year and usually that'll fill the clamp up um provide high energy um feed through the winter again that might be disappointing so um you know we need to um yeah look at the ways that next spring we're going to come out and hopefully you know um everything will come and have a, we'll have a nice warm spring that comes in nice and gently so with what you've seen so far do you reckon that there are long-term impacts on the soil conditions out there on farm following the drought because this is something we're going to see more frequently are we really going to have to think more about the soil conditions even more because of this the the the, the crops that we're seeing perform better in these conditions also have uh, benefits for the soil condition the the red clovers the chicories the plantains the white clovers the festilolium um, and and even crops you know not for grazing but crops like lucerne deep tap roots breaking up the soil structure adding uh, dry matter and organic matter to the soils which again you know in a normal year will act as a as a sponge and, and and hold some of this moisture if we can get the organic matter levels up in these soils not normally a big issue on on livestock farms it has to be said they're normally pretty good but uh, you know you buy on some mixed farms and some arable farms we can increase the organic matter that will hold more moisture during these dry periods i've gone out on several um soil training sessions 
um, with um, some, some of my colleagues and we could not even get a spade in the soil. So it is like concrete. Um, some of the benefits of it are natural um, reforming. So, you know, where you see um, cracks, so with it's got some clay content and the cracks will open up. Um, so it's naturally restructuring. Um, but the, the difficulty is what we kind of need is some, you know, rain that's steady and not huge downpours because, of course, the challenge is if you get downpours that it's going to run straight off the top because, again, it's, it is like concrete. So, you know, where you have got the deeper rooted and you've got some cover, so just going back to that uh, multi-species that um, lay that I saw, you know, that's got an opportunity with those big roots in it to actually, you know, take on more water than um, somewhere where it's got just old, um, you know, old pasture. Um, so, yeah, there's there's definitely um, going to be some some challenges, but it, it very much depends on what's um, coming in the next few weeks. I, I, no, I agree totally. I think, I think we're at a point on some farms and in some areas where we need to have a mindset change. We, we know that we can grow forages uh, for the stock during the winter period and we and we preserve forage for feeding during that winter period i think in some areas we need to begin to think right well i need to grow a forage for the summer period as well and a drought period that may come and we don't always know where, where it's going to come but there are things we can do to uh to help get through those droughty periods when they come um it, it, but it's least says it's all about planning and thinking now and over the next couple of months, what we can do for next year, for 2023, to have ourselves in a better position by June, July, if the dry weather comes, we've got crops ahead of us and we've got fields in a good position to, to cope with this drought before we dig into the winter forage uh, from the year before, from the year after, sorry. Interesting you say that, Ben, about a mindset change, because is there any kind of reason why this shouldn't happen? And I know it's been an exception to have this prolonged drought spell but is there any barrier to farmers actually doing this or is this the new normal and the the new sensible perhaps yeah i i think it probably is if you if you know just the news last night there was an article on on spain suffering with huge droughts and the olive production down to a third of what it has been and you know you you, you see these drought areas moving further north and and we're getting less rainfall in the south uh, every year it would appear now if they are extreme conditions well if you've planned other forage crops for the summer period well, then you're in an excess period and you can always preserve it and use it the following year. But at least if you've got it there, you can utilise it. You can extend your grazing rotation. You can preserve the better forages for the stock that need it the most. And you've got then a, a decent entry into a proper reseed as well. So it can be planned in, but it is, as I say, it's just a different way of thinking to what we've been used to. Because what we've always said in this country is we, we've got, we can grow grass. We've got plenty of rain. We've got the right soils. We can grow grass and, and we can in the majority of cases, but just a bit of a uh, a drought tolerant plan needs to be put in place I, think. I hope you're finding the information here of use yes some may know a lot of this already but for others this is gold and a real opportunity to think about doing something different on farm in the years to come but taking that step can be daunting and so that's why mole valley farmers has a grassland and forage team available to talk these things through each farm is different and the circumstances will vary. So having that expert opinion can save you time and money in the long run. Why not give Mole Valley a call on 01769 
576232 or email grassland.forage at com. That's 01769576232 or email grassland.forage at molevalleyfarmers.com. So give us a timetable then, Ben. Here we are at the start to mid-September. What should we be doing for the next season and then into 2023? So uh, the first thing, the first thing I'll be thinking about is is my forage stocks. Uh, you know, have I got enough forage to get me through the winter? Measure the silage pits. That you know, you get the dry matter of of grass from a, from a sample, and you can work out how many tons of of forage you've got in the pit. You know how many animals you're going to have for the winter and what their daily uh, intake is going to be, so you can calculate whether you've got enough forage or not. If you haven't, then are you able to introduce uh, you know a crop now that will get you a cut of silage this autumn or early in the spring to help you get out the winter uh, quicker uh, and then as we were talking about start to plan for next year's grass growth put the put the lays to bed in different in different orders in, in, sorry in, in order so that you've got grass growth coming out of the winter um, and and try to measure the performance of the existing grass lays that you've had this year and plan next year's reseeding policy so that we're not in this situation again in 12 months time and that we've had some remedial action to the drought or the potential dry period that we may get next summer. And is that Lisa a really good long-term strategy because we know science is telling us that this is only going one way and these droughts that may have been every 20 or 30 years are likely to come a bit more frequently. So having that kind of game plan that Ben has outlined as your longer term strategy, is that the right thing that farmers should now be doing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I I truly believe that most farms, most um, uh, acres can produce more dry matter. It might not be just grass. It might be, as I say, it might be brassica. It's a 12 month. So where, again, where you've got maize, put some grass in, have a 12-month cropping plan. So it suits your farm, your stock and your soil types, what, whereabouts you are in, in the country as well, because there's there's plenty of options. Um, and I would say, you know, the other things are that um, the nutritionists now are going out and they're measuring clamps and they can help and, and advise. And then, you know, talking to the agronomist and, and, and looking at, the nutrition that you've already got on the farm. So what's in the soil, as we talked about, um, what's, um, you know, what's in your muck, FYM. So looking at that through the winter. So how are you going to feed this crop? So um, as Ben said, you know, the crop that you're going to be putting in, how are you feeding it? What's the most economical way to do it? Um, so do a nutrient management plan through the winter to know how you're going to produce, uh, you know, efficiently and effectively um, your feed and your forage for your for your um livestock next year yeah one other option that we've got you you've got a grape mix called extended graze which which is perennial ryegrasses i'm thinking more for next year now obviously but perennial ryegrasses maybe in the next two weeks the first two weeks of september you could drill that mix those ryegrasses have been selected because they've got extended growth at either sides of the period so you've got early spring growth next year and later growth in the autumn it gives you more flexibility if we are going to have this time where the summer is dry and the grass growth slows right up then let's grow grass at the at the shoulders of the year when we have got moisture and that mixture of yours is is, is a classic for that because it's got those selected varieties for those 
characteristic growths of early and late uh, spring and autumn. Yeah. So it's having a real good look at the what you're putting in. And I think we've mentioned about... Um, um some you know forage uh rape crops so the hybrid um you know putting those in as a sort of nurse crop as well to grass yeah yeah so so i mean it, it it's it's something that that happens a lot in, in wales we use a very very small quantity uh of of forage rape in with the grass and it just gives it a bit of protection from uh, just keeps the dew in in the morning and just keeps more moisture around the crop. What you must remember with that is that the grass seed crop is the essential bit and not let the forage rape get too tall uh, because then the taproot starts to steal the moisture from around the grass seedlings. So get the sheep in in particular and graze it right down, kill off the forage rape and then let the grass seed come through uh, and, and form your sward for the future. Otherwise, the other thing with forage rape, which we could do in the spring, is once the ground temperatures get to sort of 10 or 12 degrees then we can introduce brassica into the into the ground and have a crop there growing through end of april may june that we can then graze during that summer period and at that point we're saving our grass lays for the more profitable stock or um if if we don't need them, then we've got extra grazing there in the forage and we can make silage and winter forage from our grazing lays. But it gives us that flexibility to cope with drought. So using a, a Appin leafy turnip or Red Start hybrid brassica, drilling it in the spring, utilising it in the summer, saving our grass for more important uh, aspects. The other benefit of that brassica spring drilling is the is the reseeding opportunity it gives us once you've finished grazing that brassica crop you've got a perfect cycle as you mentioned lisa to get into uh grass reseeding you've broken the pest cycle of the frit fly the leather jacket the wire worm because they haven't got a host plant to lay into and then you'll get a cleaner uh start for your um reseed yeah no it works really well that way and you know and i think it's it's just the apprehension of you know a lot of the questions i get asked is because it's you know, it's new and doing something different's harder than just doing the same thing. I mean, we all um, can easily fall into into habits, can't we? But I think that having um, people, you know, obviously we've got our forage team, we've got uh, Ben and his team and, you know, um, other uh, suppliers. And we all want this, you know, we all want this to, to work. So, you know, if you're trying something new, there are plenty of people that can that can help you do it. And once you start doing it, it, it becomes, um, yeah, quite addictive. There's lots of questions flying at, you know, once they've started something different, well, can we do this? Can we do that? Can we try this? And it's fantastic. You know, you see a completely different well, it's, it feels completely different on the farm. It's challenging that forage to be better. You know, um, I don't know sure Ben knows, but I mean, I, the average yield, I think, in the UK for um, uh, grass is around about 7.2 tonnes per hectare of dry matter. Well, you know, I, I know farms with not much rain and with a lot of rain, so over further in the west, you know, 15 tonnes of dry matter a hectare. So there is a lot between what, you know, the low and the high. So even if we get halfway between that, we're going to have a lot more forage. Yeah. And, and there, are things, there are things that you can start to do now 
to get on that track to, to producing more forage. So coming up into the autumn, we need to be walking our reseeds. We need to be starting the final round of grazing uh, and shutting up fields so that you've got grass growth through the winter. I would suggest use your driest fields uh, and shut them up first so that there's grass growth over the winter. And those are the first fields you can turn out to in the following spring. So you're building a wedge going through that winter, but start to look at the records if you've got them if you haven't start keeping them of the performance of the fields this year look at how many grazings you got off each in each individual field how many what were the silage yields like on those fields even if it's as simple as counting the number of trailers that come off each field in terms of silage crop you'll get an idea of which fields are performing well and which ones aren't and from them you can start to identify which parts of the farm need remedial action um, they need more grass stitching into them or they do need a reseed and we can go into the brassica element that we talked about but it's starting to look now for next year is is the secret and be pl plan and be prepared to change the way you're doing things you know a lot of contractors actually have got yield monitors but they say nobody ever asks them so i just yeah just ask your contractor have you got a yield monitor because they might have all that information there in which case a fabulous place to start and you'll really start seeing the difference in um the yields and the quality once focus goes on it and if nothing else you know it's been such a challenging year but the questions we're being asked and ben i'm sure you're the same focusing on forage and really challenging it it's, it's great you know um it's not great to be going into the winter with with short forage and that's you know my biggest fear as an agronomist and, and giving advice i absolutely hate that thought but if we can change things around now and there is a big opportunity then um you know it will it will set set us really fair for the future i, I think because as as we think that you know these these challenging conditions aren't going away we need to be more prepared for them and the other couple of things we can do now is is assess the ground cover assess assess the the, the weed content um look at the clover content of the sward and a little rule of thumb is go and go and stand in your field and pick a representative area and look down at a meter one meter by one meter and and just guess how much clover is there then divide it by two because you because you overestimate the amount of clover because the leaf is round and it stares up at you whereas the grass leaf is vertical and you don't see the full area of it so you tend to overestimate the amount of clover but we should be looking for about 35 40% clover content in these swords uh, to make good swords and if it's not there we need to think about how we're going to do that in the future and how we're going to introduce it the other thing that the drought has given us the opportunity to do is to uh, remedial action on any compaction because if we're going to drag uh, sward lifters or slitters or legs through the soil, then the soil needs to be dry to do that. So we get the fracturing of the soil and break up the pans. And the dry conditions that we've had allow us to do that. So if you know that you've got fields with compaction issues in them, then now is a good time. To, well, as soon as we can get the kit in the ground is a good time to sort out those those uh, compaction issues. And Ben, are there new varieties that are coming out? I mean, your business must be actively thinking. If the weather patterns are going to change, we need to be looking at the seeds and what's going on there. Yeah, with breeding, obviously, it's a long term goal. Nothing changes overnight, but we do have different breeding programs going on, running parallel to the main ones so that when situations and 
and and and different environmental uh, requirements exist we we can breed things into plants yeah we're, we're looking there's lots of drought resistance it's one of the high priorities at the moment in terms of breeding we're looking at things like uh festilolium so we've got the new abba root which is on the recommended list which mole valley uh will, will have it's 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 got uh, um, atlas fescue from africa in the breeding to give it more drought tolerance it's it's out on 30 farms at the moment across the uk in trial situations because we're we're looking at that aspect of it um it's a it's a brilliant perennial ryegrass in its own right and is on the recommended list so there's that sort of thing we're looking at uh softleaf tall fescues these are plants grown in in southern europe um they've always been too uh, coarse and unpalatable to livestock, but we now have soft leaf versions of those. So, so we're 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 looking at those. But the but the greatest benefit that we can have is actually species that we've got in existence already: the white clover, the red clover, and the multi-species lays. Not right for every single field, but a large selection of those different crops on the farm will have a big benefit in in helping fight this drought situation. One thing we haven't mentioned, Ben, actually, which is, you know, one of my other loves is lucerne. You know, it's number one crop grown in the in the world. But we seem to be very worried about growing it in the UK. And I know when I spoke to you the other week, you, you know, you kind of came up with a, an idea which I hadn't even heard of, which was, you know, sowing some barley as a as a as a cover for it in the spring. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's not it's not going to help with uh, the grazing situation because I, I don't unless your grazing management is absolutely spot on i don't believe it's a plant that we should be grazing but in terms of establishing a crop and and having a three four cut a year high protein dry matter crops on fields that do burn up in the summer lucerne has got to be thought about as an alternative and i would suggest maybe uh that talking to your next door neighbor farm or your arable units down the road or your mixed farms because they would like it as a break crop it's a legume after all three or four years in an arable rotation is is a wonderful thing for them as well and bring um uh, bring that dry matter into the farm from from that crop there it, it has been difficult to establish in years gone by uh, only because we don't have attention to detail it is it is a very small seed it cannot be buried too deep uh, we need high ph's uh, six and a half to seven uh, but yes under sowing it under 40 kilos to the acre 100 kilos to the hectare of spring barley to give it a nurse crop and then take that barley off at a cheesy stage as a whole crop and then let the lucerne get away after that it, and it flourishes in those conditions but it, it will help you in drought situations and produce your forage from land that otherwise would be uh, not producing anything during these dry periods but yes it, it's a it's got a big part to play going forward i'm sure of it uh, good farms that um are have got a really good reseeding program and, and like ben says you know break crops um to um give that grass to grass reseed, you know so avoiding the grass to grass reseed which will um you know have challenges with pests a lot of the time so enabled to to do that have a having that plan you will make you will produce more forage 
you will guaranteed reduce more forage. And where, you know, I've been working with people and we can do that. They've gone into this autumn, you know, with a good level of um, of stock. Um, it's where there's not a good programme um, and, you know, they're not caring for the the soils in the way that they should. Um, then I would challenge challenge them to, you know, make more of your forage. You've got ground. How much dry matter are you yielding from per acre? I ask that question all the time. I, you know, and 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 it's very difficult for people to tell me the answer. You know, if you ask the dairy cow how much that's yielding, are they? Yeah, yeah, they know because um, you know, it's it's um, it's really important. Um, and it's really important to know how much dry matter yield you get in per acre per hectare. I don't know what you think of that, Ben. Totally, totally. And and one of the things that we noticed very early on in this dry period is is some of the older lays burning up because they're not the perennial rye grasses there with the deeper rooting. They're things like annual meadow grass, bent grass, rough stalk meadow grass. And these these grasses uh, have very shallow rooting systems and therefore die when when the moisture comes on. One of the opportunities now is to get out once we get a bit of rain and walk the pastures and identify those fields which have not performed in the drought drier conditions, but that are perhaps not in need of a full reseed, but they've become opened up. The meadow grass has died out, and we can stitch in either in the next month or in the spring uh, more grasses into them to bolster them back up. We don't need to do a full reseed, but we can put in clover or we can put in grass to to lift that production back up. You've got a good point on that, actually, with those um, older, you know, those um, meadow grasses, etc., that have actually died off. Because most of the the sown species will come back. I mean, they look dead, but they will come back. And I know you mentioned before, Ben, something about the, you know, the look of a diploid and a tetraploid, um, which I thought was interesting. So so the perennial ryegrass plant has a deeper rooting structure and what the plant does is it closes down its respiratory systems as quickly as it needs to preserve, to preserve life. And the diploid perennials tend to close down quicker than the tetraploids, but they come out of the drought end once moisture's around much quicker as well. So it gives the appearance that the tetraploids are more drought tolerant, but actually the, the, the processes within the plant are just shutting down more 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 slowly so when the plant shuts down you 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 get to lose the chlorophyll has stopped respiring stop photosynthesizing and it and it sits there uh, for a, for a length of time in droughty conditions and then when the moisture comes it fires back up and it gets through it it's not always a guarantee but it nine times out of ten it will come back once the moisture comes it will weaken the plant of course it will it's not ideal conditions but it will survive uh, for quite a long length of time. The easiest way to do this is when moisture comes back and get out and have a look at the fields. You're looking for that uh, long parallel leaf. You're looking for a shiny uh, underside to the uh, to the grass and a purple colouring. Those characteristics are the perennial ryegrass, and that's what you want in your sward. Anything else is not perennial and doesn't respond to the fertilizer, whether it comes from uh, bag fertilizer or from clovers. Um, it, it, it doesn't, it's not digestible and it doesn't feed well when it's inside the animal. So the perennial plant is what you need in the sward, but now is a good time once the rain comes and it greens up again to go out and identify what you've got and then plan for the next 12 months how we're going to get through the next drought situation and what we can bring to the, to the fields to, to bolster the yield and, and quality.
the other thing I, I it's worth mentioning, you know, and talking about um, mistakes or, or things that can help grass graze is just cutting height because, you know, you see a, like you say, if they cut it late and it's already nearly gone to seed, it takes a long time to regrow. But if you cut it too short, um, especially on some of these hybrids, but I'm sure you can agree that the growing point is higher and a lot of people have put in red clover. So um, that's got a, a, a crown on it. So, um, yeah. I, you know, you must have seen that. Well, we do. And we see it time and time again where where uh, the mowers go in too low to get the maximum. You can understand it to get the maximum amount of yield out of the field. But if you think about it logically, the plant at the base is where the strength is to hold up the plant stems and tillers. And that's the lignin in the plant. And lignin is the only part of the plant that the animal can't digest. So really, you're, you're harvesting high dry matter material, yes, but you're getting a load of lignin that can't be digested by the animal anyway. So it really is no benefit. And of course, if you're cutting low, you're taking away all of the green leaf area that allows the plant to photosynthesize quickly and, and come back after silage cut. So one of our big uh, pushes is to, is to raise the cutter bar a bit and give the plant more chance to, uh, to go. You'll your, your benefit quality in the pit, uh, you'll benefit wilt times, but you'll increase the longevity of the grass laids as well. Yeah, I mean it makes sense, doesn't it? Because I, I, you know, if the if the roots are just there and they've and again in a drought season, if it's already been distressed at the beginning of the year, it's going to find it more and more challenging to keep growing through a drought period. So um, that would be the you know the other thing which I've really noted this year. Um, and sometimes you think, oh well, especially with a multi cut or. Or you know, I've got much grass. Do you, do you carry on and cut it? But in actual fact, when I've seen you know multi cut, like you say, it wants to cut, it wants to grow, doesn't it? It wants to come back. So um, yeah, that would be another tip I would I would really advocate is yeah you know, check that cutting height. I I know we also Ben and I've been talking about um, clovers and sort of burseem clovers etc, which are not winter hardy. Um, but I think my view's been, you know, with it being warm and wet and the milder winters, that we haven't really, you know, with down, especially down further down south. I mean, how far down, you know, or for how rather the other, I'll put it the opposite way, Ben. How far up is you know winter tolerant? Because I've seen crops come right through the winter with no problems whatsoever, including bursium clover sometimes. So and and you get you get the opportunity, don't you, to put you've got an opportunity now to put in Italian ryegrass, Westerwolds. Bursine clovers in the mix. It might not come to very much. It might get frosted out in December. But equally, it could add to your protein content of those of those cuts or those silage or those forage qualities that you've got for the next few months uh, and help through. For the cost of it, it's got to be worth a go. I would have thought it is too late now to go into uh, multi-species lays and and, uh, and and red clover lays. The problem is not now. The problem is not the establishment phase. These seeds need uh, moisture to germinate, then they need to establish, then they need to grow and then go dormant before the winter sets in. And, and that's the problem where it is. You, you, you look at the field in the autumn and you pat yourself on the back and think you've done a brilliant job of establishing them, but then they get killed out over the winter by frost and come the spring, there's nothing there. So I would, I would for, the, for, for the first half of September, I would 
advocate growing uh, perennial ryegrasses and white clover swords and drilling those but after that I'd be apprehensive about it obviously you can conceal, can still continue to do it but it is a risk but if you're prepared to take that risk then crack on and have a go definitely um, but you know like you say uh, I, I, we've drilled Italian ryegrass crops in through October when the needs are such, you know, to get to get them in the soil, the conditions allow, then 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 it then it will work. These figures that you both mentioned about almost doubling what you could get as a return from your fields, with the increase in forage. I mean, when you're a farmer right now, staring at empty stocks, this must be appealing to know. So, what would be your takeaway bit of advice for someone listening to this who's thinking, I like the sound of this. I'm a bit well. I've got a mindset that I've always done things the way that I've done it. What should they do? Where should they reach out to try to get this information? Well, I mean, exactly, you know, more value, agronomy and, and uh, forage. We are having these conversations all day, every day. So don't hesitate to pick the phone up and, and have a chat with us. Um, you know, as as we all know, every single farm and every field is, is different. So there's no blanket. Um, yes, definitely do this. But I would say do something. Pick up that phone and, and have a chat with us. And from both of you, what would be your number one lesson learned from what we've just experienced through this summer? Well, I'd say plan ahead. You know, start your planning right now. Don't don't leave it till it happens because there's nothing you can do about it once it starts. No, absolutely. Have have a have a plan that starts now and works through the autumn and then into the spring for reseeding policy or using a brassica, have some backup plans to get through this, this, these dry periods. They may never come again, or they may come, you know, not for two or three years. We may have very wet summers, but at least then you've got a, a backup forage stock there to use in dry periods. Interesting stuff from both of you. It's been very informative. Thank you ever so much for contributing. And if you see a lady walking around the fields of southwest England, it's a fair chance it could be Lisa if she's just staring into a field. Thanks ever so much for listening today. We'll be back soon with another agricultural update from Mole Valley Farmers. If you want to see more of what we're about and what we offer, then head over to moleonline.com. That's moleonline.com. And I'll speak to you soon.